Another suicide in the celebrity world, more specifically the comedy community. Gosh, is every comic a dark and twisted soul once they get off stage? No, I think that's an old wives' tale. I've known a lot of comics. I did stand-up comedy for a short amount of time. I don't think that's true. Unfortunately, it is with this situation and we'll talk about it in the boston rob show i am him boston rob this is my show it's much like goodwill hunting the podcast you'll laugh you might cry it's not your fault will most importantly outside of this podcast being beloved we're gonna try to figure stuff out we're gonna learn something didn't we all learn something from goodwill hunting right or was that just me and my teens you gotta go see about a girl well I read the headlines the other day. I'm on Twitter, actually. I'm, like, putting the kids to bed, scrolling through Twitter, and I see Brody Stevens dead at 48. I'm thinking, what? Wait, did he have some kind of illness? Was there a bad accident? What happened? Like, that's that's it? I got to start scrolling through. I'm frantically looking for, like, a cause. You know, is there another salmonella outbreak what the f is going on was there a shooting like in today's society you don't know if it's the spinach that's going to kill you or going to work and having a shooting at your work that's going to kill you we live in a weird age man it's like (laughs) either the vegetables the meat the water or going to work but turns out as i'm scrolling through i see like Patton oswalt texting you know basically inferring about suicide i see another comic saying reach out to somebody if you're in a dark spot i'm like oh god no dude another suicide it just feels like there have been celebrity suicides bombarding us for the past few years and i don't know about you but when i find out it's a suicide it it's so eerie when it's a celebrity and it shakes me to my core now Yes, I have a long history with suicide. I will get into that. But when celebrities do it, it's like there's something so unnerving about it. It's like, how how could they? You know, like they don't have to worry about keeping the heat on. How could they end their life? And that's what happened. Brody Stevens. Now, he wasn't like the most famous comic. In fact, I knew him as like the comic that was the warm-up comic. You know, he warmed up the crowd. He got crowds hype for the headliners. So he was never a headliner, but he had an illustrious career, if that's the right word to use for Brody. Um, You know, he was in The Hangover. He had documentaries out, which apparently he talked about, like, his depression and being bipolar, which I didn't know. Again, you know, I was only familiar with him. I wouldn't say, like, oh, I loved his work. He wasn't my kind of comic, but he definitely had my respect and my last name. So, you know, I'm like, I always felt a little connection to him. Plus, he was goofy. Any goofy comic that just goes back down to the bare basics of, like, kind of the slapstickness of comedy, you gotta respect and love, you know? I think there's, like, (laughs) maybe it's just the kid in me that loves that Jim Carrey, Chris uh, Farley-style comedy. It it might be deep-rooted in, like, loving Tom and Jerry. But, yeah, Brody Stevens killed himself. So, with Brody Stevens' suicide, it leads me to the spiral I go into. No, I don't go into a spiral. But I I feel this, like, total connection when a celebrity 
and not with the celebrity but with like the family with the situation with the i don't know it's a very comfortable place i'm I'm not awkward about it at all most people it's like a hush hush oh they killed themselves oh oh suicide don't talk about it for me i'm like no we need i think we need to talk about it it's the only way that it's going to get out there and you know once you destigmatize something then i think you can start to save lives it's not until you remove the weird aura around it that you know people can be comfortable coming out and being like you know it's affected me it's affected me so my take though my take on suicide it's a weird take because i always think it's like you know you'll hear people say that it's a coward's way out but for me i go well it's the bravest thing anyone could ever do (laughs) you know like it's the bravest act of finality i mean outside of and i don't say courageous courageous would be like you know jumping in front of a bus to save somebody else that's courageous i mean brave is like it takes cojones to inflict a medieval death sentence to yourself now brody uh because of my past which i'll get into um you know brody hung himself and i'm always fascinated to find out how you know there's different ways to do it obviously and my fascination really is in like that how do they do it and my take on this is it's the bravest thing a coward could do it's like an oxymoron of life acts and when i even when i say that it's like i don't even mean it like that it's so hard to explain because it's a very brave thing to do that but it's a very cowardly way out. And I don't mean the person's a coward, especially like people who are seriously depressed um, or have serious addiction or serious whatever. But I mean, coward in the way that like, how could you at least not speak up? I don't mean coward in the, in the act. You know, when I say they're a coward, I think most people, when they say it, they're like, oh, it's a cowardly act. You're, you're, you're not facing up to what you need to da da da. For me, it's like, no, you were a coward in the in the days, months before. It's like all that time you thought about it and you didn't speak up and tell somebody, especially like if you have an immediate family or a mom or a brother or a best friend. It's like, that's the coward I'm talking about. That you don't text them, reach out, um, say something, anything. Or what gets me even angrier is that you don't exhaust your means. That's why it's so... I have a different take for normal people suicide and a different take for celebrity suicide. Celebrity suicide, I get pissed and it's hard for me to find that spot of compassion for them. I have the compassion for the family, but when it comes to the person, I'm like, how do you not throw your fortune at this? How do you not throw every last penny at this? But it's, you know... There's some real stuff that we got to talk about and I will get into, you know, my friend, uh, also a comedian, Craig Gass, he told me this when I was going through my troubles and he knew my past, which I'm about to get into. Uh, he knew my past on things and he knew, you know, what I had gone through with addiction and my history on suicide, uh, in my family and all these different things. I'll never forget on a phone call. Craig was like, listen, man, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem problems exist all through life most of them are temporary unless you have some you know 
lifelong disease, almost every other problem is going to be temporary. You will get through it. So to throw a permanent solution at it, it's like, you know, having something go wrong and you get this stupid tattoo. It's like, you you know, at least the tattoo you'll live with. That was a bad analogy. But the day Craig told me that, and I know he didn't come up with it, but he told me that and it stuck with me forever. And a lot of these times, I'll, I'll never forget when uh, Greg Giraldo died. I texted Craig right away. I was like, whoa, whoa, bro. And I've always kind of connected with him on it. And he's known a lot of these comics, Mitch Hedberg. Oh, you know, he lived with Mitch and he's known these cats that have died. So he's always had like this wisdom and he's a survivor too. So it, it's good to connect with people. And I think because of my past, I feel so connected when suicide happens and I all of a sudden all these questions start happening and I want to know why and I'm fascinated by it um and I'm fascinated in a weird morbid sense and I think it stems from what has happened to me now if you don't know you know suicide always leaves more answers uh, I mean more questions unanswered than anything uh so my fascination is like me as you know the 21 year old kid that wants to get his his questions answered and wants to know why and what I mean by that is when I was 21 my father killed himself uh he was with my two little brothers my two younger brothers at the time they were 15 and 16 and they got him out of the tree my dad hung himself as well they got him out of the tree they tried to resuscitate him didn't happen and that was one of the hardest phone calls I ever had to take um because it was a, a, a freaking 16-year-old kid saying, Dad's gone. And I'm like, what? Where'd he go? No, Dad killed himself. And I'm like, Whoa, what? You know? And it's like me trying to process this while at the same time realizing, like, holy F, man, you got to be the dad for these kids. You got to tell them it's going to be okay. You got to make sure they don't go off the rails right now. You got to sound composed. So it was like me holding back every emotion that would naturally come out when you're hearing that your father killed himself and also trying to like console at the same time. Um, And, you know, I'll never forget their voices. Like, you know, it was like their voices changed that day. You know, you just, you could hear the splintering inside them that day. Um, and when I finally caught up with my brothers and found out everything, you know, obviously my dad was drunk. We got addiction in my family. My grandmother always told me (laughs) I didn't listen to her. My grandmother, God bless her. I wish she was still here. The matriarch of my family was always like, listen, some families get cancer. Some families get this. Our family is addiction. You got to be careful of it. And I, I didn't even know the weight of it. And she was the only one that like told it to me like that it was brilliant god bless her and i miss her and i had to watch her you know as hard as it is to bury a dad it's terrifying and i mean like i i felt like i had never felt more like a child seeing my grandmother pounding on an open casket saying wake up you know like i was like oh my god i earmuffs like i can't this is frightening and she had to bury that was her second son yeah the other one died drunk my uncle tracy died in a drunk driving accident um and then my dad killed himself and she had to bury both those boys <laughs> i can't tell you how many times after my dad died i felt like i had to console other people 
you know, and it was like, put compartment, compartmentalize, Rob, you got to tell your grandmother, like, it's okay, you know, like, he ain't waking up, and, you know, we're gonna be all right, <laughs> and you, then you got to do it with your mom, then you got to do it with your brothers, God, this is like, stre- I didn't realize how stressful this would be for me to talk about, but yeah, so my dad, um, one night, said, enough, I don't want to see the sun come up tomorrow, I don't want to talk to my boys again. And, you know, he might not have been processing all these thoughts, but when you do an act of finality, ultimately, you you got to at least know what's going on. I mean, he was drunk and maybe, I don't know if he had other things in his system, but so I guess that was all hazy. We'll never know. These are the questions I don't know. I, I can't answer. And this is the frustration and anger that comes from effing suicide. So then, you know, I'm very familiar with suicide, not only because my dad killed himself and my mom wasn't a suicide. She just went to sleep a few years later and didn't wake up, which is just as shocking as a suicide. When you get a call from your younger brother again, your youngest brother again, saying mom didn't wake up. She's dead. Now, I tell you this because my youngest brother, who is homeless now somewhere in God knows where. I hear from people that I know who live throughout the country. I've lived in many places in this country. And they'll go, I've seen your brother. And I'll go, nah. They'll go, yeah, yeah. No, he was out here. And I then somehow I'll hear about him. And he's been to jail in Texas. And he's up in Seattle. And now he's in Mississippi. And and his life has been like that because of suicide. There's no other reason, you know. He never had issues until my dad killed himself. And then, you know, my mom he was living with my mom when my mom died and it's like enough death like that just splinters you i know that because i was thankful enough to like have a job to have some focus to be getting sober so i was like really fighting to stay alive and at his point he was like dude i'm i'm you know he's a kid he's a baby he's a baby at 15 and he has to pull his dad down out of a tree and resuscitate him it's like how do you recover from that you know there's and and we didn't have access to therapy after that it was like therapy we're drinking are you kidding we didn't have anybody forcing us in to get help or talk about grief or any of these things that i learned about much later that i'm like god how irresponsible were the adults around me my dad's family that came and raided his house that i go to their houses and i see my effing stuff up on the wall sorry i'm getting angry and and they had the consciousness to like be like oh let's make sure all his stuff gets a safe place meanwhile my brothers are kicked out of that house they weren't even none of us were there we didn't know what was going on but nobody was like hey are the kids okay do they need some money for therapy is you know like all this ish and this is what suicide does so given that you know my brothers had a self-imposed death sentence on himself for years that's why he does whatever he does he's the craziest most selfish asshole person and i love him to death because i knew him before this and before this he was the most kind loving beautiful chris farley-esque wanting to make everybody laugh in fact he went as uh, mick foley to halloween day at his high school and just made everybody laugh then not on halloween day he just dressed as a gorilla and made everybody laugh like this was the kid and now he's like the complete opposite then a couple years ago Actually, like a bunch of years ago, my other buddy just died, overdose, which I believe (laughs) more than likely was a suicide. And then my best friend, a kid I grew up with who knew my dad, who was there at the funerals, who was there at this, you know, but unfortunately he had 
some tougher life stuff. He was in and out of prison, um, but we always stayed. Listen, I haven't changed my cell phone number since 2003. So when he was in prison, he could always call me and I always picked up. We always wrote. I always tried to urge him to stay sober, urge him to want more, especially because he had kids. And then I find out, was it two years ago? He jumped off a bridge and just ended it. And with regular people, you have this anger, but you also have this understanding, this understanding of like, I know how hard it is to exist (laughs) during that daily grind and how tough it must be to try to exhaust your means to get help. It's like, well, I can't get help right now. I have to work because the heat's getting shut off because the rent's due. It's like broke folks. I have such an understanding suicide. <laughs> I, I understand. I'm like, yeah, that's totally seeming like an option because like at this point when your car's getting taken, you're being kicked out of your house. It's like, how could you not want to give up? I have a totally different take on celebrities, which I'll get to in a little bit, but the celebrities, I'm like, mm, you don't know what it's like, <laughs> or you don't remember what it's like to have to fight to keep the heat on. You know, to tell your kids, listen, I know I know it's 38 degrees in the house, but don't worry, we're working on it. So totally different takes on normal people and celebrities. But with normal, you still have that anger, you know, um, and the understanding. I say it because like, listen, a couple years ago, I got laid off. Now, the layoff was like, okay, I could see this. We got to part way, you know, it wasn't so much a layoff, but it's what came after. It was like, yo, people just disappeared out of my life. And I knew when you're in radio, people all of a sudden want to text you. Old friends are like, oh, hey, man, I just want to see how you do. And the truth is like, everybody, you know, you're in radio. (laughs) You're on the show that they have heard of. So they just want to reach out and say that whatever. But all that disappeared. I mean, for two years, I, I man, I haven't talked to almost nobody. And within that, you know, my son gets a diagnosis. There's all these things that happen. Um, and you go so through some of the toughest stuff while you're, you know, like mounting up debt, losing homes, losing cars. You're going through all this stuff. So the understanding comes from like, yo, I've been in a place where you're like, F this, man. Like, wh- how do I keep on fighting? Thankfully, if you're a parent, you understand this. Kids give you this unreal fire inside. And I'm not saying that to like, oh, well, I got to have a kid and then I'll want life more. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking. I'm saying like, you know, kids are this beautiful thing that can inspire you out of the smallest of moments. You know, they'll say something or look at you and you're like, God, that's life. That is beautiful. And it makes you keep hope because that's all suicide is you know i learned this at my church miles mcpherson when i was in san diego one of the most brilliant men i've ever heard speak except he didn't like boston and the red sox he said boston was a racist city which i was like all right yeah you know i hate that too about it but what he said was you know suicide only happens because people lose hope as soon as you lose hope and think about that if you had no hope and i've been there i i I face this daily my podcast and my kids and my wife uh those are all my little hope givers. But when you face those days where you're like, you know, you have no hope. If you lost your job, no income, hope is a desperate place to live. And it's hard to maintain any sense of like, well, what should I be here for? What do I need to fight for? And I'll never forget when that pastor was like, oh, hope is what they miss. And then I started looking at my dad's suicide, you know, 
my brother's attempts, all these things in my life. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, when you feel compounded with this sense of despair and no hope and no way out, it seems like an option, but it's not. Because again, I go back to what Craig Gass says. That's a permanent solution to these temporary problems. If you hang in there long enough, if you keep on fighting, things just might change. Now, what I do want to say about suicide is you always see this. I saw it on on the tweets that night about Brody Stevens after he killed himself. People saying, if you're in a dark place, reach out. Well, from my understanding too, and from my personal experience, when we're in those dark places, there's no reaching out. There's no freaking emoji for like, hey, I'm in a really dark place. There's no way to explain to people. And that's why I have a little bit of a different take. Instead of telling people who are depressed or bipolar or in a dark space or maybe going through a layoff or really having a struggle right now, stop telling them to reach out. The people that are okay need to effing reach out. If you're okay and you know somebody that's been through the ringer, you reach out. Be responsible. Be a decent human being. And you go after them and you go, are you okay? Are you sure? I'm not asking as a BS, like small talk, you know, I'm talking because I love you. I want to make sure you stay on this earth. And if there is something going on, you open up to me and let's talk about it and stop telling people who are in a dark corner in their life, who probably aren't even on Twitter to go and reach out for help. That's foolish. That's idiotic. And I say that because I've been surrounded by suicide. I've had, I've had the thoughts myself. Who hasn't? If you're a broke folk, you understand it. When your car gets repoed and you're facing an eviction and your job don't pay enough, you're like, eh, what am I doing? You know? And especially like when, when a parent has done it, you're like, well, why not take after him? Lead, follow in his footsteps. You know, that is such a foolish thing to tell people <laughs> that, hey, listen, I know you're severely tri- depressed and you, you're, you're crippling depression, you know, can just barely let you function, but reach out and just, you know, t- scream what it feels like to them is like, scream it to the world. Tell me how depressed you are. It's like, dude, do you know nothing? Have you never been in a place where you, you feel the world has just left you standing there? You can't reach out and say that, whether it be pride, ego, the depression, the mental illness, the addiction, whatever it is. It's so hard to do that. So please, just my take on it. And if you consider me uh, pretty much a professional in suicide and not in like the remedies of it or how to deal with it, but like dealing with it, living through it, surviving it for this many years, you know? My best friend, I had to hold his six-month-old kid at his funeral going like, you don't get to do this. You don't get to do this to a six-month-old. You do not. When you're a parent, (laughs) I have a take for broke folks on suicide. I have a take for celebrities on suicide. And I have a take for parents on suicide. And we'll get to all of those. (laughs) I will get to all of them. But, you know, you, you, you can't tell those people to to speak up they can hardly function they can hardly do anything as it is so if you consider me you know somewhat of a person who knows what they're talking about reach out to them just do it send a text make a phone call be human and just do your duty especially if you're experiencing blessings you know blessings isn't like if you got hope share that hope hope is contagious faith 
can be contagious. Happiness, laughter can be contagious. That's why it's so sad when a comic dies, because it's like they made people laugh. And for them to permanently, you know, extinguish their flame, it's it's disturbing. It's it it's frightening to me. So I will tell you. I've kind of explained broke folks situation. I will tell you quickly, parents, my take on parents and suicide, which happens to be a lot of these celebrities. And I'll take you through my celebrity uh, take on suicide, what I feel like when celebrities do it. Next. So here on the Boston Rob Show, we're talking about suicide because... Comic Brody Stevens killed himself. Man, the world lost a, another great human. It's always sad when a comic kills themselves. When a comic dies, it's sad because anybody who chooses the career to make others laugh is like, that's a special human. That's why I wanted to be a comic. You know, to be able to just say like, hey, I make people laugh and I'm so good at it, I get paid. Is like, that's my dream job. You know, I didn't dream about, well, no, of course, being a rock star or something. But, you know, realistically, I was like, this is something I, I, I think I could do and I want to do. It's That's noble to me. Like my wife, she's a nurse. She, I mean, she is one of the most noblest careers. You don't feel good, she'll patch you up and send you on your way and make you feel like a million bucks. And that's a rad career. But, it, you know, like, I can't relate. I'm like, oh, man, change somebody's diaper. Are you crazy? I got to change my own kid's diapers. Patch up their wound? Uh-uh, I'll throw up. Me, I'm like, you know what I could do? When they're better, let me make them laugh. <laughs> That's what I think is like a noble thing. I would have been a jester. I, I always think like, man, if I lived in medieval days, I'd be Robin Hood. Nah, I would have been a jester. I would have been the guy in Robin Hood's crew who's like cracking jokes around the bonfire. <laughs> okay, enough laughing because we got to talk about suicide. And this is serious. It's suicide serious. Ooh, that's, that's not a good way to put things, Rob. But my take on parents, and I want to get out the take on parents first because some of these celebrities were parents so it like compounds my take on their suicide my take on parents is if you're a parent and you're considering suicide you have to figure a way to muster hope and parents know this every day each day you're a parent you gotta be stronger than yourself as it is you have to reach deeper, be more patient. You have to be a better human to be a parent. Well, I guess not for everyone. Jeez, I watched the local news. You're saying this right now. Rob, I've seen the local news. Most of these parents are not being a better person because they are a parent. There was just a story about some little kid, I don't know, drugs, some little kid. I mean, I'm not talking about the people that are not attempting parenthood. I'm talking about the ones who are, the struggle is real, where you're like, yeah, I got all these daily stresses, but I want my kids to live in a way where they're happy, they can be creative, they don't have to be scared every day, they can laugh. Um, and that's rejuvenating. You know, when you see your child um, come to you and just say something crazy, you know, where they're like, dad, look, I colored this horse in Halloween colors. Like my daughter just told me, she's like, and this is a horse in Halloween. And I'm like, that is so beautiful. Like, I wish I had thought of that. Yeah. Why aren't horses doing Halloween colors? 
that is so reju that gives you the hope to carry on to be patient when your other kid is throwing kinetic sand around the house and you're like hey we got to stop that instead of losing your cool you're like i remember how beautiful this is it's an expression of childhood so for parents if you're considering it especially if you're a celebrity oh we'll get into that because i got some anger but if you're a parent you have to dig deep you have to you know like i was saying with broke folks people need to reach out to them especially like single uh divorced uh just normal broke folks that don't have a wife and kids or a husband and kids or kids um i think that their circle needs to reach out to them because it's so hard to speak up when you're in a dark dark twisted time your mind ain't right you know that's what the disease is or that's what suicide is telling you is like your mind's not right so when you go, oh, I should just tell them. They'll, you know, your mind goes, ah, oh, you tell them and you're going to go to a loony bin, you crazy or whatever it is. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of different things, but your mind isn't right. So people need to reach out. That guy on Twitter that said, you know, if you're in a dark place, just reach out and talk to someone. It's like, dude, do you not know everybody in a dark place? They're not talking. <laughs> They're not saying anything. You know, we need to, the people that have the hope need to be the light on a hill and shine that effing light and reach out and if you i'll tell you right now you can even stop this podcast if you know someone like that go go just call them out of the blue you know how grateful they're gonna be they might not say it right away but maybe a year down the road they're gonna go you know you called me and you saved my life and you'll never know unless you do it so parents you gotta muster that hope you gotta find something you 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 need to break out of your shell you need to reach out you need to tell someone and i'm speaking from experience you know i've had some of the darkest years of my life these past couple years and at times i might have regretted reaching out but i've told i've said like yo i am struggling so hard right now and i've been blessed to have some really cool people um you know just shake me out of it a little bit and i find that faith to keep fighting every to fight the good fight that's what the saying is right i think so but celebrities and let me go through i i looked this up because i've never known this i mean my therapists have known this and stuff but the stages of grief are denial which that makes sense because when it happens i watched people go through denial at my dad's funeral they were like no no i watched a dude that wouldn't even come inside till the wake he just he had someone come get me go outside and he was like i can't go in there because this is not real to me and i was like what and then another one of my buddies texted me and said dude i'm not coming down i can't do it and it's like they don't want to acknowledge the reality of that person's finality that's a <laughs> that's a weird way to say it but it's just true and some people just sit in denial which is okay but then the next one is anger and i get that because when you feel the anger you know and i've had these moments where my kids do these beautiful things or i think about how my dad never got to meet my wife and you get so angry at these people then there's the bargaining which i didn't know what that meant and then i was like once i looked it up i was like oh my god i've i've done that where you're like you know what this means that the rest of my life i gotta help people and i said that to one a boss of mine after my dad killed himself, I was like, the only way I can come back to work is if we can be helping people every day. And she was like, yeah, yeah, we'd totally do that. And it never happened. But I was like, <laughs> there was a point in my life after I returned from my dad's funeral back to San Diego where I was leaving work 
and stopping at places where I, I knew homeless people would be and I would bring them into a place and buy them lunch and I would sit and talk with them for an hour. And if somebody was on the side of the road, I'd pull over immediately. Like there was this time in my life where I was just so fixated on trying to save everybody's life through little kind gestures. Um, and that sounds crazy, but it was like, I was like, I can't live unless I'm trying to save the next person that might be having the day my dad was. So I was like, oh, bargaining. That's totally a thing of grief. Then there's depression, which absolutely I can relate to. And then there's finally acceptance where, you know, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> I mean, I guess I've accepted all the suicides in my life, but you don't really, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, why? And even for me, to this day, this is a crazy thing. And people have said, there's another way to do it, Rob. But I've kept my mother's cell phone on. It's still on my phone bill. She died in 2011. Uh, I've kept it on this whole time because when I have a tough day, oh, this might be the part in the podcast where it makes me cry. Wow. But I'm not going to. I'm going to choke this back because I want to tell you about this. Because this is how I've avoided acceptance. <laughs> um when I have a tough day, I can call her cell phone and it rings once and it goes to voicemail and her voicemail, which, you know, most people didn't know my mom, but she always would have a poem as her answering machine. Uh, and she has a poem on there and it's a beautiful thing about like inspiring hope and, you know, being yourself. She was like this, you know, activist, you know, we got to spend money on schools not wars and she was a rad person she wrote her own poetry and she was published and had a radio show so when i have those tough days you know i call her and just listen to the answering machine and that's it <laughs> as weird as that is but i've kept her phone on my plan i i originally bought her the phone in like 2007 or something and i've never stopped paying the ten dollars a month because it was like ten dollars to get an extra line she didn't want like a fancy smartphone um and that's like, I don't know if that's not me accepting it. I know she's gone, but still, you know, you like to hear their voice. I wish I had something like that for my dad. So for celebrities, I think, you know, and let me say this. This is one of the saddest things we're talking about ever. Because this is somebody's uh, last moments going, I don't want to live so bad that I'm not going to let life deal me any more cards. I'm going out on my own note. And... And so when I get angry and I say all these things about celebrities, just take it with a grain of salt because everybody's in their own struggle. The struggle is real no matter if you're, if you're at the top of the food chain or the bottom. It's much harder at the bottom, I'll tell you that. So here comes the anger. But it's still, it's still a very sad thing. There are a lot of people affected, so just consider that when I start my rant. Um, and it's disturbing because you know what is in common with all the... As outside of what I think is the main commonality between all suicides is people go, it's so shocking. You never would have known even about the people who are open with their depression. People still go, Oh, I know he was depressed, but I never thought this. The only other common thing that I've seen lately is all these dudes, Anthony Bourdain, Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington, Brody Stevens, my dad, not my buddy. He jumped off a bridge, which is like, what the frig? but they all hung themselves. That is insane to me because that doesn't seem like an easy way out. That seems like, yo, that's gnarly. It's a medieval death sentence. They used to have public hangings. 
It's a wild, wild west way that you would get strung up from a bounty hunter. And people are choosing it over life. That shows that there's a vacuum of hope. You know, people feel so hopeless. But when I was doing like my research on it, they were saying, well, hanging is like a readily available way. You don't need a gun. You don't need drugs. You don't need a moving object or a sharp one. It's everybody can find access to something that they can string themselves up with. And the fatality percentage is outrageous. It's a 70% fatality rate, which that might not seem high, but you would imagine, I, I, or I would imagine overdoses are not that successful. You know, the way they can revive people nowadays, technology is like incredible. And they say from these studies, I was on like Cambridge.org, which I can only imagine is so fancy, but they were saying most people think it's like a clean way where you can still have the body to present at a funeral. And from my own input, I was like, well, it's ancient. This goes back, you know, before guns, before drugs, this was the OG way to end your life. It was how Judas did it. Judas, he betrayed the son of man with a kiss and couldn't live with himself and went and hung himself. That's right. Judas hung himself. For you that are not familiar with the Bible, the dude, the disciple that betrayed Jesus committed suicide. And it was gnarly. I mean, the Bible is rad just in a book alone. So I would highly suggest looking that up in the Bible and reading about it. Because what happens to Judas, I had a long conversation with my wife about this is is pretty gnarly it's pretty vulgar of how he dies because suicide isn't the end of it <laughs> there's animals pecking away at him and i don't know so you know the other thing i considered when you think about these people hanging themselves is like yo there's an urge or or a resistance a struggle to stay alive in everyone and for you to have I mean, that says something for you to hang yourself and not fight to stay alive. Like that's how hopeless you are. That's so gnarly. Cause I mean, my kids jump on me and they start to squeeze my neck and I'm like, get off. I can't break it. So to think like, no, you're going to do this to yourself is just in, it's beyond me. That's why I say it's the bravest thing. If you're going to call these people a coward, it's the bravest thing a coward could do because to do that to yourself and not immediately be like, no, uh, F this. It's like, wow, you really got to be in a state of despair. And in all my research, finding out that women don't hang themselves that much. They prefer overdose. And that could be overdose on poison. There was also reading like they, their women, when they kill themselves, it's more by overdose, poison or drowning, which that's disturbing. This whole thing. It's so confusing. It's so shocking. That's why people never see it coming. You know, and for celebrities, this is what really makes me angry. Celebrities don't have to worry. Wealthy people don't have to worry about keeping the AC on in the summer. You know, it being so hot that you're putting ice cubes in front of a box fan to cool down your children because they're sweltering. That's a stress. When you have to live with that every day, when you have to live with not paying rent, trying to get a new car, having no job, no income, that stress wears on you where it can just grind hope out of you. Broke folk know what I'm talking about. So for celebrities to commit suicide or not even like A-list, but anyone that is in that world where they're doing good, where you're making movies, where you're getting work, number one, getting work, that's a hope-filled thing. Number two, you know, your stuff is paid for. You're not struggling to keep the insurance going. That is what makes me so mad. 
because just like, you know, if you're a celebrity listening to this, reach out to me and I'll tell you some of the issues going on in my life and some of the stuff we can't afford. And you, you might just have a humbling experience of like, oh, whoa, I have so many blessings, so much things that so many things that can give me hope that maybe I need a, a tune up. Maybe not because I get it. Mental illness don't care. You know, they're like, yeah, I don't care. You lose it all tomorrow. But still, it's it's angering to see these great, great artists, great, great musicians, great, great comics to not consider like the bare basics, because that's if anybody has struggled with depression and you know this like I do, you have to start considering you have to start being grateful for the most basic things. You know, my kids are here. They're happy. They're in front of me. My wife is here. She's happy. She's in front of me. I'm here. I'm okay. I'm not in pain. I can I can do things like my mom used to say. You know, you got arms and legs. I didn't have sun so I can bring in my own groceries. Get outside. Go bring my stuff in. It's like start getting thankful that you have arms and legs. You know, because there are people that don't have even the things I consider luxuries. And we could play that game. But really, it just makes me mad that these celebrities... This is my take on it. Celebrities don't throw your fortune. No matter how big, if you're a Scrooge McDuck fortune, diving in, the, diving in your bank vault of gold coins, or... If you're a little less than that, if you're not throwing the whole thing at it to find a therapist, go to a new therapist every day. Because when I try to call a therapist, guess what? There's a three month wait. And I'm like, my, my depression can't wait three months. I got to see some, I got to talk today. And they're like, yeah, there's a waiting list. <laughs> These celebrities just on name alone, they could get in that day. The therapist will probably make a house call. You know how I know that? Because when they go to Disney World, they get VIP access. They get to cut everyone. They don't even have to do fast pass. They get the private tour behind the scenes, walking up to Space Mountain, ride it six times in a row if they want. So if you get that access at Disney World, I would imagine you'd get that with a therapist. So that's what's angry. That you don't exhaust your fortune, exhaust your means to try to get help. And if you leave it there... And if you possibly, because the mental illness makes your mind wrong. So if you start thinking, oh, well, my kids would rather have the money and they'd be better without me. You idiot. And this is where people need to reach out and talk to them. You know, because when your mind's wrong, you can't do it on your own. But for celebrities, it's like, gosh, you don't think for a second that your kids, instead of when they graduate, when they get married, when they have kids. Because I'm telling you firsthand as a child of suicide that my dad died broke. We got left with nothing. There were a lot of financial problems at the time. But if you said you could have a million dollars or your dad back, you think I would care about money? Money doesn't care what my kids look like or say. Money doesn't care that I name both my children after my parents. Money doesn't care, you know, who my wife is. I want my dad, my mom back to be a part of all this stuff. So for those celebrities that think they're leaving their children with something, I'm telling you, coming from a shattered family myself, when my mom's gone, it's just me and my middle brother now. My youngest brother's like, you know, off the rails. He's hoping that something kills him. That's why I say it's the bravest thing you could do because you got to be really brave to take that step. And I hope nobody ever becomes that brave. You know, if you are, reach out. You can email me. I'll talk to you. I ain't kidding. But it shatters families and, and the money doesn't matter because, you know... Sometimes these people can't pick up the pieces and what they're leaving 
They think they're leaving behind the fortune to take care of them. No, what what you're leaving is children that are statistically higher, uh, have a statistically higher percentage of killing themselves. Before that ch- child maybe even never knew a suicide. Now they go, ah, well, I could, I could follow in my dad's footsteps. So it takes a village, man. You know, I, I, I put the onus more on celebrities because when you have that much money, power, whatever, you have more access. You, you, you should be able to try a little harder. Broke folks, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's so hard to just do the daily tasks that one thing can send you into a spiral. You know, I always think that when I read these news stories about how families don't even have enough money in their savings to cover a $400 emergency. And I'm like, God, what do I do for $400? Man, we ain't even got, I got negative right now so it's like it's so easy to go into that spiral of negativity and celebrities don't that doesn't exist for them you know they're like money issue what so it takes a village i guess this is how i'm gonna wrap it up you know i believe it takes a friend it takes others to speak up for them i believe it takes us to start having a conversation like this podcast for other people to talk about it openly and be okay with the critiques. I'll end it with this too. You know, I'll never forget George Carlin, before he had passed away, he had put out this new special and it was right after my dad killed himself. But I've always thought George Carlin to be like a prophetic uh, comic. You know, he really could see the future and call it how it was. And he was a voice to speak to many generations. And if you don't know George Carlin, he's a great comic. I introduced my daughter to him. You should go listen to him. But at the end of his career and life, before he died, he did this bit uh, on suicide. And it was right after my dad died. And I remember watching him going, you know, I love George Carlin, but this just isn't right for me right now. And I had to shut it off. It was the only time I was offended, not even offended, but just I couldn't do it. I couldn't watch that comedy. It wasn't comedy to me because he went, he did this long bit about people hanging themselves and how going through each option and then coming to decide about hanging yourself. And I was like, this is so real for me it, that it's not. It, and I didn't think Carlin was, was funny. I would like to see if anybody else saw it and if they were like, oh, this is really funny or if it's just like so morbid that maybe he's lost it a bit. But I never got mad. I, I didn't get a, you know, I was even if I was offended, it's like I didn't ever talk bad about Carlin or write him or get up in arms or call for him to retire. I was just like, Hey, those jokes didn't land with me. And that's how the conversation about suicide needs to happen. It it just needs to be done so we can get more thoughts on it, more answers, more questions, more people, uh, engaging in conversations. So hopefully we get more knowledge. Because like that dude, it will stand out forever for me who tweeted, if you're in a dark place, reach out. And I thought, wow, he, he might be so wealthy that he doesn't know what a dark place is. Because when you're in a dark place, there's no reaching out. You're in a dark place. You don't see any light. You don't see any hope. So reach out to that someone. You be the light. You be the candle in their darkness. And I promise you, it, it won't cost you anything. You know, what does a kind word cost? Nothing, but it could save their life. And I can't tell you how many times that somebody has reached out to me over the past 15, 20 years where they were just calling to say, hey, I love you, thinking about you. And it changed my day. You know, it gave me that hope for the day. It maybe didn't save my life, but I won't be that dramatic. But you know what I mean? It was like, wow, there's my hope. 
I got the little fire burning because you passed the torch to me. So please, please, let's just love each other and <laughs> reach out to each other because this is so devastating. This many people. Chester Bennington, he had a bunch of kids and he talked about his mental illness and we couldn't save him. You know, so if somebody's being so upfront and open about their mental illness, they have that much money where they could get into any therapy, pay for it, not worry about healthcare, not worry about government healthcare, universal access, and we still are losing them, then we're not doing our job right. You know, we need people intervening. And it's it might not be rewarding, and I know that's what society's all about, your accolades, but who cares? You know, you could save a, a kid like me from having to live the rest of my life going, you know, your grandfather, your grandpa would have loved you guys. You know, I hate telling my kids that because it's like, God, why couldn't he just effing be here and just see these little guys? You know, I named my son after him, but he's not. We lost him. And through that, we lost my mom and I lost my little brother, my, my youngest brother. And he's still alive. He just, he, he has never come to terms with all the tragedy that has befallen our family. So, sorry to end it on a (laughs) very depressing note, but this is a real talk that needs to happen. So, I hope this talk becomes contagious and maybe you can share it. Share this podcast with anyone that you know might be affected or that has been affected. uh, Or what I meant to say is like anybody that could be going through a rough time or has been affected by suicide. And don't forget, when you rate this, give me five stars. Come on, I'm putting in a lot of work here. Thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe to the Boston Rob show as we end it every time. And I mean this sincerely, genuinely, authentically. Much love. Spread love. Peace.